Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Robert Yeager and the Tao Foundation. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Police shootings grab headlines, especially when someone is killed. In April, two different police shootings in New Haven and Wethersfield, Connecticut, caught the attention of residents and the media. But it was the Wethersfield story that stayed with people, because that's where an 18-year-old man died after fleeing police. Today, we learn more about Anthony Jose Vega Cruz and the circumstances leading up to that day. He was known as Chulo to family and friends. We'll hear from one of them coming up. Now, we're talking about this Weathersfield story today because it's the focus of a half-hour documentary produced by Connecticut Public in collaboration with Hartford filmmaker Pedro Bermudez. It's called Collision Course. Reporter Vanessa De La Torre is the supervising producer of the film. She joins me today in studio. Vanessa, welcome back to the show. Hey, Lucy. Thanks. We also want to hear from our listeners, especially if you live in Wethersfield. Have you seen Collision Course? It's streaming uh, at our website, wmpr.org slash where we live. And you can join us at the number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Uh, Vanessa, you've been on the show uh, before talking about uh, the many stories that you've reported. Uh, this is an, a new project for you working on a, a documentary. Uh, why this story? So, Lucy, you know, we hear about police shootings and it tends to be in the national news. And in April, as you mentioned, an 18 year old died in Wethersfield. So, Wethersfield is just like a 15 minute drive from our station. And so, this basically, this big news story happened in our own backyard. And our newsroom really kicked into gear when this happened, you know, covered the initial protests, covered the release of the dash cam footage, wrote additional stories um, on the officers involved. But we really thought, you know what, we really need to get more context about what happened, who were the people involved, and try to answer a couple questions. Because whenever there's a major news story like this, a couple questions come to mind. One is, could this spin have been prevented in some way? Another question is, could this happen again? So we really had those questions in mind as we made this documentary. So remind our listeners what happened. I believe it was April 20th, uh, 2019, uh, this traffic stop. Uh, Tell us first about um, Anthony Jose Vega Cruz. Sure. So on April 20th, it was a a rainy day. It was late afternoon, early evening when Vega Cruz decided to, you know, go out with his girlfriend to get something to eat. And he lived in Wethersfield, and so they decided to get in his car. And even the fact of getting in his car was something that was um, a little bit stressful for the girlfriend because he had a headlight out, and so she was just kind of worried about him possibly getting pulled over. But he was telling her, no, um, we're going to get in the car. We're going to go drive there to get something to eat. And so on the way there, um, they are pulled over by Wethersfield police, the initial word is that they pulled him over because there was a the plate on the plate on his car did not match uh, the reading that the police got in his car. So basically, it was a mis- misuse of plates. So from there, uh, Officer Peter Salvatore pulled him over. Uh, you know, as he's approaching Vega Cruz's vehicle, you see in the dash cam footage that the vehicle takes off, 
And so from there, you have a police pursuit. Uh, one of the other officers in the area, Ulysse, he joined the pursuit. From there, it escalates further. It's, it happens so quickly. So once he joins the pursuit, you see in the dash cam footage that Vega Cruz's vehicle starts to spin out. Again, remember, this was a rainy day. He spins out. Soon we see that there's a collision from Ulysse's SUV rams head-on into Vega Cruz's vehicle. We also see in the dash cam footage that then the officer gets out of his vehicle, uh, approaches with his gun drawn. Vega Cruz continues to try to flee, and from there on we see in the dash cam that Ulysse fires two shots into the windshield of Vega Cruz's vehicle. And when the shooting uh, took place, you mentioned it was a rainy day, Silestine Highway, uh, that area very busy uh, during right. the day. It's a four-lane highway, main road. Something that you said, too, is that uh, many people, uh, when they hear of different uh, incidents that happen, including uh, this 18-year-old driver, there might have been the perception that uh, he was just driving through. He wasn't from Weathersfield, but he, in fact, was. Tell us about his family. Sure. So, you know, the Vega Cruz family, um, I'll start by saying that they grew up in Hartford. Um, Vega Cruz's father, Jose Vega, is actually from Puerto Rico. And as a young man, he decided, you know what, I want to move to the mainland and sort of this American dream idea. So he moved to Connecticut, had a lot of different um, sort of blue collar type of jobs, had a couple of kids here uh, in Hartford. And one of those kids was uh, Anthony Vega Cruz. And from what we have learned from talking to people who know him and certainly talking to Jose Vega, who was one of the people we interviewed in the film, he, as a young boy, was very close to his mother. It was described as a really you know, shy, sweet boy, very close to his mother. But um, seven years ago, his mother died of cancer. And so what we learned is that that really affected Anthony Jose Vega Cruz very deeply. And so, you know, heading into middle school, into high school, had a lot of ups and downs, was sort of skipping school and, you know, kind of having those sorts of issues. Um, but his father decided, you know what, I, you know, we're growing up, we're living in this neighborhood, Orange Street in Hartford. It's kind of a tough neighborhood. I want to move my son away from that. You know, we want to move across the border of Hartford into Weathersfield. And he saw Weathersfield as, you know, uh, sort of a paradise. And we have a clip of uh, your interview with uh, Jose Vega. Vi que están pasando tantas cosas hoy en Hartford. Yeah, so Jose Vega is telling us that he saw that there was a lot of stuff going on in Hartford, um, not all ideal. Um, so he decided to look for a better place to raise his family. And so they applied for uh, low-income housing, and they found a place in Weathersfield. And he tells us, you know, the first time he saw that house, it was like, a mansion. You know, this was kind of a modest um, home, but he saw it as a mansion and a, a great place to raise his son. Mm. And it's ironic that he wanted to move his family out of uh, this neighborhood in Hartford to keep them safe. Right. And, and six months later. Right. And just as you said, this happened, this move to Weathersfield happened just six months before the shooting. And the shooting happened just about a block and a half away from where they lived. 
Uh, you're hearing Vanessa De La Torre. She's a reporter at Connecticut Public, also supervising producer of a CPTV documentary called Collision Course uh, that takes a look at this story out of Weathersfield that happened uh, earlier this year where 18-year-old Anthony Jose Vega Cruz uh, was killed by police after fleeing uh, a, a police after a, a traffic stop. Uh, you can join our conversation, especially if you're from the town of Weathersfield. Uh, we wanted to hear about um, how the community is responding to this documentary, but also uh, just to uh, what happened in your town. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. So you uh, talk about uh, Vega Cruz, and we learn more about him in this documentary uh, by you speaking to his father, uh, to his girlfriend, to people that knew him. But this isn't just the story of Vega Cruz. It's also uh, what happened and the background of this Weathersfield police officer, Leu Ulysse. Tell us about what you learned about him. Sure. We wanted to learn more about the two lives that intersected on April 20th. And so one of those folks, obviously, is the officer who fired those fatal shots, uh, Officer Ulysse. And we learned that um, he also grew up in Hartford, for much of his life, um, he's the son of, of Haitian immigrants. Uh, you know, we talk to people who know the family. They say, you know, this is a really nice, you know, hardworking family, really good people, very um, faithful people. And so uh, getting closer to his high school years, his family also decided to move to Weathersfield to seek a, a better life, a better education for their children. And so we learned that, you know, in high school, Officer Elysier, um you know, as a teenager, he, he gets more serious about life. He decides, you know what, I want to enter a career of, of public service. And so after high school, uh, he enters the military. He enters the Connecticut Air National Guard. He also serves in the Air Force Reserve. And during that time, he's also becoming a police officer. So learning about him talking with uh, people who knew him in the documentary, I understand yeah, he declined to participate, and there's a reason for that. Right. This this whole investigation uh, into the shooting and whether the use of force was justified, it's still an ongoing investigation. And so um, we attempted to talk to Officer Elysier, and I briefly spoke to him on the phone a couple of times. And he says, you know, I really want to share my side of the story, but, you know, there's an ongoing investigation. But we did talk to his attorney, Elliot Spector, and so we do have that perspective in the film. And we're going to be hearing more uh, from the documentary Collision Course. Um, this is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Uh, my guest today, Vanessa De La Torre, as we uh, take a closer look at the story that happened six months ago, the focus of the documentary Collision Course, which is streaming at WNPR.org and CPTV.org. Uh, you can join us, too, the number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. The Hartford State Attorney's Office is still investigating the Weathersfield police shooting of Anthony Jose Vega Cruz. He was killed after fleeing a traffic stop earlier this year. It's the focus of a half-hour CPTV documentary called Collision Course. The film examines the dynamics at play that led the lives of two men, 18-year-old Vega Cruz and Officer Leu Ulysier Jr., to collide on Weathersfield's Silas Dean Highway. That was in April of this year. But the documentary also refocuses attention on the 
Hartford suburbs practice of heavily enforcing motor vehicle violations, uh, such as tinted windows and pulling over black and Hispanic drivers at, at disproportionately higher rates when compared to white residents. Do you live in Wethersfield? Have you seen the documentary Collision Course? We want to hear from you. The number 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from uh, one of the friends of Anthony Jose Vega Cruz. His name is Greg Brown. Uh, but I wanted to uh, continue my conversation with uh, Vanessa De La Torre, who's supervising producer of this documentary, uh, Collision Course. Uh, we learn about uh, Vega Cruz's uh, family background. Uh, we learn more about the officer involved and his background. But what did you learn about that day? Because uh, it's natural for people who heard about what happened on April 20th, uh, Vanessa, uh, when uh, this uh, young man was pulled over. It's natural for people to ask, well, why did he flee police? Sure. And so that's a question we also were interested in learning about when we first set out to do this documentary. And in the course of our reporting, we learned an important detail about Vega Cruz's past driving history, and that is that he did not have a license. He did not have a license to drive. He was 18 years old, and you know we talked to folks who know him, and they said that he was working toward getting a permit, and that was part of his whole plan to sort of set things straight in his life. You know, wanted to graduate from high school. He was a senior in high school. Wanted to get his permit. Wanted to get a job after graduation. But um, that is possibly a, a pretty um, good reason why he decided to flee, aside from being scared. And that's something that we talked to his girlfriend about. She was in the car with them. She said he he basically panicked when he was pulled over. But so he didn't have a license. Um, and we also learned that a couple weeks prior to the April 20th traffic stop, there was another traffic stop in Wethersfield that happened just after midnight on one of the town roads in which the same vehicle as Vega Cruises, you know, same vehicle, same license plate, was pulled over again for a suspected misuse of plates. And uh, in that dash cam footage, which we also showed in the, the film, you see an officer approaching the vehicle. And as he's approaching the driver's side window, that's when the car takes off. And so you sort of see a similar pattern in the April 20th traffic stop where the officer sort of gets out of his vehicle, walks toward Vega Cruz's car, and then you see the car take off. And so the question of why Vega Cruz uh, fled police, uh, because he, he did not have a license. He did not have a license. And, you know, he had previously also been stopped in Hartford um, for not having a license and not having a you know registered vehicle. Mm. But the other question uh, that uh, many residents have is, uh, so if someone evades police and flees, uh, how should the police respond? Because the incident two weeks prior to this particular uh, day, um, if it was Vega Cruz driving that particular car, the way police responded that night, very different, very from, different. from the day. Exactly. So in that case, you see from the dash cam footage, and you also, we also read an incident report on the traffic stop, that officer decided not to pursue the fleeing vehicle, decided to you know, write a report, include everything that he saw, but in that case did not pursue because we all know that uh, police pursuits are very dangerous, um, not just for the officer, but for citizens in the area and also for the, the driver who's fleeing. 
Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from uh, State Senator Gary Winfield uh, talking about uh, some of the accountability measures that lawmakers have put in place, including how sh- police departments uh, should respond in terms of when a vehicle uh, is leaving uh, the scene or fleeing a tra- traffic stop. So coming up, we are going to talk more about that. But I wanted to leave time to take some calls from the community. You can join us, too. The number 888-720-9677. Uh, Chuck's calling from Weathersfield. Chuck, you're on the show. Hi. Um, thank you very much uh, for taking up this conversation. I just wanted to make uh, a quick point. Um, and I'm a resident of Weathersfield, and I live not very far from where the tragic incident took place. And the only thing I just wanted to kind of repoint out is that the Silestine Highway is exceptionally busy at almost all times of day. Um, that's a very dangerous situation. And in taking off or attempting to take off a second time from police, that becomes a public danger. I know you just touched on that, but that was kind of the point that I wanted to make. As somebody who's on that highway multiple times per day, uh, that becomes a very, very, very uh, dangerous situation if you're talking about slick roads, high rate of speeds, and a danger to the public. So not that I'm not making a value judgment on whether the shooting is or isn't justified. I'm not making a character judgment on anything about the decision of the young driver. It was a tragic incident. I wish it didn't happen to anybody involved. But as a resident, you know, I could have very well been on that highway, and that's something that I just want folks to think mm-hmm. about if it was in their neighborhood as well, too. Chuck, I wanted to ask before we let you go, you know, we did reach out to the town council and also including uh, police chief uh, James Satran. Uh, they declined to be on uh, the show today. They also declined to participate in this documentary, Collision Course. But since you are a Weathersfield resident, what are the conversations happening in your community? Are they the, the same points that you raise? And, and how do you want your town leaders to respond? Yeah, by and large, and in, in, in my limited uh, sort of understanding, the conversations, while they might not be taking place in the public eye as it's ongoing, it is obviously a, a topic of conversation among leaders in the town in terms of, you know, not only the perception of the town, as you mentioned, there's some of those statistics that, that point to it. Weathersfield does have a lot of lanes that, that become very popular throughways to different points in the highway. And while that's convenient in some instances, that, that may very well lead to uh, some disproportionate, um, you know, I've been stopped in Weathersfield on multiple occasions. And, uh, you know, um, it's a heavily police. The, the Silesian Highway is home to the police department itself. So there's always police vehicles there. Um, the conversations are taking place. It's obviously something that I know that the leaders are, are uh, conscious of. Um, but I just wanted to you know, kind of make that brief point. It, there's a lot of, you know, the suburbs, the high school, there are schools on the Silesian Highway, kids in that area. It's very important to, to make sure that public safety is critical. Uh, Chuck's calling from Weathersfield. Thank you for calling into the show. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the documentary. Uh, you can join us, 888-720-9677. I want to take another call. Uh, Al from West Hartford. Al, you're on the show. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, you briefly touched on some of the points I was going to, as did the previous caller. Uh, this is a terrible situation. I, I do feel badly for this young man's father, but if we look at the root cause, what caused this whole situation, which irre- irrevocably changed this young man's life, or ended this young man's life, and also affected the police officer who had to take a life, was this young man's decision to break the law. We have laws for reasons, and if you make a conscious decision over and over to break even minor laws, it, be- it establishes a pattern. And okay, today it's a motor vehicle issue, tomorrow it escalates to become something bigger. So I do believe that the police should enforce traffic laws, should, uh, to the fullest extent of the law. And if someone takes off on the police, yes, they should pursue it. I know it's dangerous for the community writ large, but it's even more dangerous to allow someone to continue to get away with 
being a scoff law, I mean, we all have to follow the laws. Because if we do not follow the laws, then we are no longer a community of laws. We are a, you know, just, we're not civilized anymore. So uh, that's, that's what I want to say. And I, like I said, it's a tragedy. It should never happen. This poor young man's life is, is over, and it's terrible, but it, over something so small. But, you know, o- overall, in the big picture, we are a nation of laws. We, are, we need to establish and follow our laws. Al, thank you for uh, your call into where we live. You can join us, 888-720-9677. Vanessa Delatore, I wanted to, to follow up with you. First, to respond to what the callers have raised. Um, Al, uh, most recently, the, the last caller that we took, saying that uh, there's a reason we have laws and they should be followed. Uh, but let's talk about uh, the idea that um, when police should pursue and when they should use deadly force. The, depending on the town you live, the the policies are very different. Right. And and those comments are comments that we've heard in Weathersfield, so it's it's not surprising. But you also pointed out that pursuits are dangerous. And so there are certain policies in place to ensure that police aren't chasing drivers under for, for minor offenses, like say a misuse of plates or an administrative issue. Uh, another thing is that um, you know, this idea of scoff laws and, and getting away with it, you know, in the end, you know, a life was taken. And so we talked to um, Vega Cruz's attorney or the family attorney for Vega Cruz, Ben Crump, and he's saying, look, here you have a teenager, an 18-year-old who made a, a mistake. But does that mean that he should have lost his life over a mistake? In these situations, you expect police officers to try to de-escalate rather than escalate. And so that was their point of view. And the uh, dash cam uh, video shows clearly that uh, the officer uh, in question that uh, killed uh, Vega Cruz didn't necessarily de-escalate when he jumped in front of his vehicle. Right. So that's a big point of contention. Um, Not only when he jumped close in front of it, you could argue whether he was right in front of the vehicle, but also um, in the pursuit sort of gets right into the middle of Silestine Highway. And so if you watch the dash cam, you could see uh, Vega Cruz's vehicle approaching and then in an attempt to avoid hitting his vehicle swerves. And that's when he sort of spins out and and kind of crashes into the sidewalk area of Silestine Highway. And from there, you see the officer get out of his vehicle with his gun already drawn and trying to approach the vehicle on foot. Uh, this is where we live. Uh, you're hearing Vanessa De La Torre, reporter and supervising producer for Collision Course, a new documentary from Connecticut Public. Again, it focuses in on what happened on April 20th, 2019, when Anthony Jose Vega Cruz was fatally shot by a Wethersfield police officer. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to bring into the conversation now uh, one of Vega Cruz's friends, uh, uh, Greg Brown. Is joining us uh, in the studio, uh, Greg. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, we actually spoke uh, a few uh, weeks after, uh, just a couple of weeks after uh, what happened to your friend, and that's when we first met you at a conversation in Hartford. Uh, tell us uh, your uh, how you got to know Vega Cruz. Uh, so yeah, we grew up together. We're from the same neighborhood. Um, we're from a very close knit family you know so growing up he was he was more than just you know another friend from the neighborhood he was like family like I would wake up and he would be in my house like that's how close he was so this whole situation um, you know 
I get asked what type of person he was, you know, who he was, uh, his intentions. And from my heart, I can vouch that he was a genuinely, genuinely good person, you know. So it's, the situation is unfortunate, but we have to learn from it, you know. Uh, when you spoke with him when uh, his uh, dad moved him out of Hartford, him and his family, to Weathersfield, what were some of the, the conversations you had with him about that move? I remember it like like yesterday. Um, when I first found out that he was moving, I asked him where because he lived there his whole life. Um, his family lived there before he was born. So when he said Weathersfield, um, I got... You know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's a big difference from Hartford, you know. So my my dad lived there, so it's kind of, I had I had in my mind, okay, listen, I'm going to tell you from what I know. So I spoke to him about it, and I told him, basically, um, Hartford and Weathersfield are two different areas, you know, they're polar opposites. Weathersfield is more conservative suburbs versus Hartford, you know, city-like area. Um, the police in Weathersfield are more strict. You know, they have, I would say, from looking at the uh, the statistics and everything that we've learned from the research, that Weathersfield is very, very high on racial profiling and even so with the vehicles that he drove you know he was just bound to get pulled over at least once did you warn him to stay off uh silas dean or to not drive at all um when i would give him rides home he warned me to stay off of silas dean so you know i <laughs> I basically knew where his mind was. Like he knew what we, what he was getting himself into. You know, uh, Vanessa. I wanted to turn back to you because uh, Greg mentioned uh, the data shows that uh, that the town of Weathersfield, the way they police, uh, there are racial disparities. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Right. I and thank you for pointing out the term. You know, racial disparities a little different from racial profiling. Um, and so there's data uh, dating back several years, uh, and this is all organized by the uh, Institute for Municipal and Regional Policy uh, based out of Central Connecticut State University, and they're tasked by the state to collect uh, police traffic stops and to analyze the data to determine whether there are any racial disparities, uh, any patterns of racial disparities that pop up in any of the police departments across the state. And so what they've found, these researchers have found that Weathersfield stands out as an outlier when it comes to racial disparities and traffic stops. For our purposes for the film, we really focused in on low-level traffic stops. So, for example, non-moving violations, for example, like window tints, uh, administrative issues such as misuse of plates, um, issues such as not having a front license plate. That's something that could definitely get you pulled over in a town like Weathersfield. And so, you know, we determined, and just by reading the reports and also talking to the researchers, that Weathersfield certainly stands out. But another way that Weathersfield stands out is that they completely, you know, reject the data. 
And of all the police departments that the researchers, you know, go to, to talk about their findings with, Wethersfield stands out in that they say, you know what, we really are, are not hearing you <laughs> right now. They, mm-hmm. they really um, object to, for example, even the term racial profiling. So, for example, this project is technically termed the Connecticut uh, Racial Profiling Prohibition Project. And so that in itself is a sort of a doorstop um, when they try to go into Wethersfield to talk about this issue. Mm. Uh, something that Greg said earlier, uh, that Wethersfield is known, uh, for their police are known for ha- being more aggressive. That's not just an anecdote. That's actually something that the police chief told the town council uh, earlier this year. Uh, tell us a little bit more again about uh, Satran, uh, Police Chief Satran's comments. Again, we did reach out uh, to him uh, to come on the show today. He declined. Sure. So Citran, he's been the police chief in Wethersfield for almost about, I would say, 17 years. So, and, But he's been with the department for much longer than that, since the 70s. But he's been the chief for about 17 years. And he goes by, um, you know, a strategy of we have to enforce all of the laws on the books. Even if people might consider them minor motor vehicle violations, we have to enforce them because we want our officers, we want our department to be seen as aggressive. And he sees this as a deterrent for, you know, so-called criminals to come in and, you know, wreak havoc in town. Uh, Greg Brown, again, a friend of uh, the late Anthony Jose Vega Cruz, who was killed uh, in April. Uh, you also said that this is a tragedy, uh, but we all need to learn from this. Uh, tell us what you mean. What do you want to see happen? Honestly, we have to look at it as this is one incident that just caught the public eye. But situations like this happen every day um there's there's a broken bond between the police and our communities because we have situations where we get pulled over you know we get stopped on the street and that's not just for african americans or uh latinos that goes for um arabs that goes for Muslim, that goes for anyone of the minority culture, you know? And until we fix the bond between the police and the communities, we're going to keep hearing situations like this. We're going to keep having victims lose their lives by the hands of the people who are supposed to protect us, you know? Uh, before uh, we take some calls, and again, if you're on hold, uh, stay with us. We're going to get to you in just a moment. The number eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. 9677 Vanessa, you talked to an educator uh, that had uh, Vega Cruz in her class, and uh, the subject of relations between the community and police come up with these young people, as well as uh, you know conversations about what they should do um, if a police officer stops them, what did what did she tell you? Right. So we're talking about Nidia Roman, and she's a youth development specialist at Opportunity Academy, which is where Vega Cruz was attending high school at the time of his death. And as part of the lessons at Opportunity Academy, one of them is, you know, what to do in situations where you're stopped. And this is part of a whole sort of life skills curriculum there. Not just talking about, you know, math, science and English, but, for example, how do you uh, approach a job interview? And in this case, also, how do you approach a traffic stop when you're pulled over? And one of the things that Nidia Rahman told us is that just, you know, maybe a month or two prior to the shooting, 
they showed a documentary in class called The Hate You Give, in which there is a pretty prominent scene of a fatal police shooting. And so they had a discussion in class, and, you know, Vega Cruz was in that discussion. But, you know, when she talks to students about these issues, there's a immediately sort of a distrust of police, um, you know, a fear of police of what might happen because they've, you know, they've all seen these shootings that are out in the public sphere of, of fatal police shootings. They've heard from friends and relatives of their interactions with police, and it does create this distrust when they are in those situations. Mm. Uh, Greg, can you add to that? Uh, because we had a caller earlier say if uh, your friend had just complied, this wouldn't have happened, that Silas Dean is a very busy road, um, that uh, a pursuit of any kind is also dangerous. But just the idea that uh, even if a young person is told um, if the police stop uh, him or her, you, that you should comply. It's not really that simple in the minds of young people, is it? No, it's never that simple. Um, when you think about, when we talk about obeying the laws, that's basically, if you see a sign that says, no turn on the red, but you're in a rush to get somewhere, are you going to take that turn on red when you have that opportunity? Yes, but that's a law that we we break every day, you know? But when you talk about he could have stopped, he shouldn't have taken off, that is a decision that he made at that time, and that's the decision that, you know, ultimately led to him losing his life. But do you think that even if he stayed that he would have still been here? Honestly, we don't know that because when you come into contact with the police officers, you have that fear in the back of your mind, you know? What's going to happen? We see it on the news every day. We see it on, you know, social media. We constantly hear about victims who are dying at the hands of our police. So the fear that he would have had, that he, I'm pretty sure that he had in his mind is a fear that I have in my mind, you know, when I get stopped by police. I'm pretty sure we all have that fear in our mind, you know. You never know the outcome of a situation, so your actions and the police actions are all very vital, you know. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. That was Greg Brown, a friend of uh, Anthony Jose Vega Cruz, who was killed by a Wethersfield police officer in April of this year. Also with me, Vanessa De La Torre, a reporter for Connecticut Public and supervising producer of Collision Course, a documentary looking at this particular story. Uh, Eunice is calling from Glastonbury. Eunice, you're on the show. Hi. Yes, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, first, when the show started, my question was, oh, why didn't he stop? You know, that was the first thing. And from continuing to listen to the show, then I started asking myself is about training and what type of training is the police receiving when these incidents happen? Because I know that the laws do have to be obeyed, but we're talking about a minor traffic violation here. We're talking about pursuits that are being dangerous, a life that was lost, and is it worth it? And also, de-escalation. Is there enough training 
for this incident to de-escalate the situation, did the person have to be stopped right at that time? Could they, you know, like, could they, could the police officer then find out where he lived and showed up at his house to prevent this from happening? We understand that he made a lot of bad decisions that day, and this is a very tragic situation. But we're talking about an 18-year-old whose brain still developing and fear is very real for a brown or black person when they're stopped. And we really have to think about how do we prevent this from happening again? Mm. How do we prevent this from happening again? Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Eunice from Glastonbury. I wanted to take a, another call. Uh, LaShawn from East Hartford. LaShawn, are you there? Yes. Um, I had the opportunity to watch the documentary myself, and I do think the young man made some poor choices. But we have to also know that police don't know who they're pulling over when they pull someone over. They don't know that that's an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old kid. And then when that person pulls off, and then the police have to chase you, and then they bump you, and they do all that, they still don't know who you are. All they know is that this person is not following the law. This person is not listening to my commands, and then when he he was about to, it looked as though he was about to use the car as a weapon, and that that's what led to him being shot, because he pulled toward the cop. That's what I saw. Um, so it's, it's hard for the police to know until they get you out of the car that you're a 16-year-old kid. They don't know what they're dealing with. Well, thank you, LaShawn, for calling in. I wanted to have uh, Vanessa De La Torre respond uh, to your call. Again, the uh, state's attorney, Gail Hardy's office, is investigating, uh, you know, was uh, this shooting justified? And uh, many of us can watch this video and see different things. We need to be careful about how uh, we portray what we're seeing uh, before us, including this idea that the vehicle was used, could be used as a weapon. Sure, and but I think both callers uh, express a point that comes down to how do people react under stressful conditions. And so in the case of Vega Cruz, we've heard from his girlfriend who was in the vehicle at the time of the stop, and she says, you know, once they were pulled over, you know, he was very quiet. He wasn't saying much, and she had never seen him that worried. And so the gist we get from her is that he panicked in that moment. You know, he had a fight or flight instinct kick in and it was flight. In the case of the officer, you know, we've learned more about his past in his previous department in Manchester. And, you know, we read a lot of memos, went through his personnel file, and there were instances where his supervisors had to let him know, look, you know, you, you kind of lost your composure there when you were in this particular incident. You know, there was an incident about a month and a half before the shooting where we have dash cam footage that we show in the documentary where there was like a, a minor incident at a mall. It was described as a mall disturbance. And they start pursuing this white van. And it's like not even like a high-speed chase, but they're pursuing the van. And they, on the radio before they pull him over, you can hear someone saying, um, you know what, if he takes off, don't pursue. You know, don't pursue this vehicle. Once they pull him over, they sort of box him in. You see Officer Ulysses get out with his gun drawn and starts shouting, you know, show me your hands, show me your hands, in a way that... Um, his supervisors later determined that it was un- it was too much. And so we have a situation where you have an officer who's reacting under stressful conditions, 
a stressful condition such as a, a fleeing vehicle. You have Vega Cruz who's been pulled over and is you know has all these thoughts in his mind, presumably mm-hmm. when he's pulled over and decides to flee. Uh, Vanessa De La Torre, again, is supervising producer of Collision Course. We're going to continue talking about that after the break. Uh, but first, I want to thank uh, Greg Brown for coming in to talk about his friend. Uh, we're sorry for your loss. And before you go, uh, you mentioned that this is a, a learning opportunity. Uh, we should mention that this particular story has really galvanized the community. A lot of people have come forward. Uh, what is your response to that? Um, so what one thing I wanted to touch on uh, before I answer that question was um, in the documentary, his lawyer mentioned that he did not make a conscious decision. He made that decision um, because it happened. You know, he made that decision in a split of a second. You know, he didn't have time to think about it. When we talk about our police officers, you, you, you go out into the world every day. And you have to risk your life every day. So when you're tra- when you're being trained, how do you handle these situations every day? Like you're taught to de-escalate situations. You're taught to, you know, handle situations a certain way. Do you feel that that situation was was handled how it should have been handled? I don't think so. But the documentary, I I wanted to say thank you on behalf of his family and the supporters and the Justice for Chula movement. Um, it was an eye opener for both sides of the the you know the people involved, the victim and the I don't want to say murderer, but you know the accuser. Um, but. I have a lot to say. I just didn't want it. So, <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so we did talk to attorney Elliot Spector, who's the lawyer representing Officer Ulysse, and he says in that moment uh, when Ulysse was pursuing Vega Cruz's vehicle, that that he was reacting to the danger he felt when he fired those shots. He says that in his mind, you know, you have a vehicle that's approaching him. He feared for his life, and so he says it was instinctive. It happened so quickly, but it happened and that the officer, in this case, Ulysse, was defending himself. I want to thank you, Greg, for coming in today. And it's hard to uh, always talk on the radio, but when you're talking about someone you've lost, we we appreciate that you've come in today. Thank you. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Coming up, we're going to hear from State Senator uh, Gary Winfield about what happens next and uh, how lawmakers and policy makers are thinking about uh, police accountability and measures uh, in the towns and cities of Connecticut. You can join us too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We've been focusing the show today on the CPTV documentary Collision Course, which examines a fatal police shooting in Wethersfield, Connecticut, and the lives that intersected that day. We wanted to update you on some laws that have uh, taken place after this incident. Uh, State Senator Gary Winfield, who's uh, co-chair of the Judiciary Committee in Connecticut's General Assembly, uh, leading that effort uh, this past legislative session. He joins us now by phone. Uh, Senator Winfield, welcome back to the show. Good morning. 
Uh, tell us, uh, we focused a lot on the uh, particular story out of Weathersfield. Remind our listeners um, how you and your colleagues worked to strengthen police accountability measures, and what were they? So um, after the incidents in Weathersfield and uh, New Haven, um, there had been an effort in the General Assembly to do police accountability, but it largely failed. Uh, my colleagues and I felt like uh, we shouldn't end the session without uh, making sure that we've made a, another attempt at putting um, some of those measures through. So we worked on what eventually became Senate Bill 380, and I'll just briefly run through it if that's fine with you. Perfect. Um, uh, so the beginning of the bill uh, focuses on uh, a lot of the reports that we do because there's information that we don't have. So it requires incident reports um, annually of physical force uh, incidents with police and the demographic information associated um, it has um, release of the video that we oftentimes in these incidents want to see, the body cam or dash cam video. Um, and what it says is if the officer uh, has the ability to review the video, which comes out of a two th 2015 bill we did, uh, 48 hours subsequent to that, the video will be released to the public. Um, and if the officer doesn't review it, then 96 hours after the incident takes place, it will be released to the public. That takes care of uh, this battle we often have with whether or not we can get access to the video. Um, we Under the 2015 law, when an officer used uh, physical force upon a person and a person died, uh, the Department of Criminal Justice was required to do an investigation. Uh, we've also added to that in this bill when they use deadly force at all, whether the person dies or not. Um, and then we added to the uh, uh, cases where the Department of Criminal Justice would do uh, an investigation, and the information that comes out of that investigation is required to be put on uh, the Department of Criminal Justice website so that it's transparent to the public. Um, when a person was escaping, um, the officers could use deadly force for a variety of reasons, one of which was to prevent the escape from custom custody. Uh, this bill prevents that. The only way that that officer could use that deadly force is if that person had committed a felony that involves serious physical injury. So it's not just that the person is escaping and they're trying to stop them, but you uh, would have to have that as the reason for doing so. Um, the uh, pursuit policy that the state has um, hasn't been updated in about 20 years. So this requires that every five years um, it's updated uh, and uh, we keep current with uh, what we know to be best practice. Um, the if a vehicle is fleeing, uh, the officers cannot shoot at the vehicle unless there's an imminent threat of death uh, in that situation, which is different than what we've done. Uh, the officers can't position their body in front of a fleeing vehicle um, unless it's already in, an approved tactic by a department, which it would not generally be. Mm -hmm. um, they have to notify by law now uh, a jurisdiction when they enter the jurisdiction during a chase. And then we created a task force uh, to look at the interaction between police and the public uh, focusing on the issue at large, but specifically on uh, the interaction with the men individuals who have uh, mental, intellectual, or physical disabilities. One of the things we don't talk about, but it is the genesis of a lot of issues. Um, the uh, issue of traffic stops and issuing a receipt at the traffic stops is an ongoing conversation we've had. 
um, and all issues of transparency and accountability. Before we run out of time, Senator Winfield, I did want to ask, again, uh, a lot of focus on this tragic story in Weathersfield, but uh, broadly when, again, we have this uh, state uh, racial profiling prohibition project looking at racial disparities in towns, holding police departments accountable for their policing. Uh, Weathersfield's police department and the town uh, so far not backing away from how they police uh, their streets in the town of Weathersfield. Is there anything else that the General Assembly can do to hold these police departments accountable when you have this data in front of you for years now? Uh, I think the the law that passed that um, has followed up on the original racial profiling bill fix um, has said that when there's a violation, uh, OPM can withhold monies. I think the legislature needs to um, make sure that that actually happens. Uh, I think that's where the power, money from the individual departments, I think that's where the power largely re- resides. And and also uh, myself, Representative Porter, members of the Black and Puerto Rican Caucus are continuously hearing from the community and thinking of ways that we can uh, make the laws uh, mean more than they actually currently mean. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank you, uh, Senator Winfield, for coming on to just update us on on what is happening at the state capitol. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Before we end the show, I wanted to go back to supervising producer of Collision Course, the CPTV documentary, looking at what happened in Weathersfield. Uh, Just remind us again of uh, State's Attorney Gail Hardy's office still investigating uh, this particular incident. Any idea of when that investigation report might be coming out? Right. So these uh, investigations of you know fatal police shootings tend to take about a year or so. It's been about six months since the shooting. We could expect within possibly the next few months that there could be a decision, but you just never know. There are a lot of different factors in this particular incident that have to be looked into. But we do know that by all intents, it looks like the family of Vega Cruz intends to file some sort of civil action. They've already filed a notice of intent to sue with the Weathersfield um, town. And for our listeners who haven't seen Collision Course yet, tell us briefly where they can go. I think it's also being shown again on CPTV soon. Right. It rebroadcasts uh, tomorrow night, so Tuesday night at 10 p.m. And you could also find it streaming online at cptv.org slash collision course, also on YouTube and Facebook. Vanessa Della Torre, thanks for coming in today. Thanks, Lucy. Today's show produced by Carmen Baskoff. Special thanks to Leah Brown on the phones. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. You can learn more about the show. Just download it uh, using your favorite podcast app. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.